the Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and friends. Welcome to the show. This is The Boys of Tech, episode 267, on Tuesday night, the 25th of March, 2014. My name is Edwin Herman. I'm here live at the Southern Cross Bar here in Wellington, and joining me at the Southern Cross Bar is Brett King. Welcome to the show, Brett. Hey, hey. Hey, Brett. It's good to have you along, and normally when we're doing the show, you're kind of halfway through a meal. Indeed. This time, my meal is yet to arrive. Okay, well, we'll judge it when it arrives, eh? We'll critique it. Indeed. Anyway, this is a tech show, so let's uh, get straight into it. I've got four stories I thought we'd talk about, um, actually five, with uh, um, with the fifth. Yes. (laughs) Adding a fifth does make five stories, Ed. You are right. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Four plus one equals five. All right, so anyway, the first I thought we'd kick off, and this story kind of came out, I think, as a is almost, um, well, because it's a timely sort of thing. It's a story about a flight data recorder that live streams the data back to ter- you know, terra firma as opposed to the current models, the current uh, you know, uh, flight data recorders, which hold the information in the physical device on the plane so when a plane does go down, such as what's believed to have happened in MH370, yep. we then got to find the flight data recorder. Mm-hmm. Within 30 days. Well, 30 days is the uh, the beacon. Dies, Indeed. But It'll yeah. last longer than that, but if you haven't found it in 30 days, the likelihood of finding the needle in a haystack is significantly incre- decreased. Yeah, that's right. And so, you know, it's, it's a much, much bigger operation. We would start having answers a lot earlier in a case like this yep. with, with a flight data recorder that live streams. So there is one that kind of made... Um, made uh, you know, the tech news headlines just recently. It's a Canadian company. They're called Flight, spelt with, as an F-L-Y-H-T. Ooh. Yeah, Flight Aerospace Solutions. They make a product like that. And I thought, we should, it's worth talking about because I know this is hindsight, but looking at the situation now, don't you think we should have had these like 10, 20 years ago? We didn't have the technology for it to support that sort of thing 10, 20 years ago. Imagine the infrastructure required for it. I don't know, though. Surely Appropriate ten, satellite coverage surely in all ten, the areas. Surely 10 years ago, nothing's changed in that space. Yeah. But it's still, depending on where you are in the world, are you going to have the appropriate satellite coverage for the appropriate product that you're using? There's not entire planet-wide satellite coverage for all of these sorts of devices. See, the other thing, though, of course, is also costs. Indeed. Uh, And and as we know, airlines will only implement costly things, and this is not a cheap product that you've brought (laughs) to our attention here, especially when you consider per plane. Airlines are only going to implement it if they are forced to, and aviation authorities are slow to force really expensive products when they might not necessarily be, uh, you know, 100% proven or 100% effective or 100% necessary. 
Yeah, that's true. And, you know, these days, Brett's me- your meal's just arrived, and that looks absolutely delicious. Indeed. Wild mushroom risotto. Yum. Oh, that looks so good. So, yeah, no, you're right, though. And the thing is, these days, travellers are a lot more budget conscious. There's a lot more budget airlines than there ever used to be. Yep. And, and, of course, they operate on very, very low margins and go with volume. And this would be another over- just another overhead for them. Indeed. It would be another overhead that would be passed on to... The consumer. <laughs> what was that pause for? <laughs> that was for me to swallow. <laughs> what One of the interesting things, though, that the company does mention is that, and I don't know how much of this is marketing guff because I, because I haven't, um, I, I haven't really looked into it. But they claim that you know, with the the monitoring of the data and the tuning they can do from that, they uh, can achieve savings of three to four percent of the airline's fuel bill. So. Their claim is that it kind of does eventually start paying for itself. But I thought, as a concept, it makes sense. You stream your data back to terra firma, mm-hmm. and that way you don't have to go on this crazy... I mean, you still go on the hunt, but it's not a, a race to get the flight data And would only work back. in places which had really good coverage in the instance of, you know, the particular plane that's currently missing. MH370. That one. It's over a not, well, a large expanse of water that is not thoroughly satellite coveraged. The signal probably would have been lost anyway. I don't know. It's hard to say, though, because it depends on the types of satellites you're talking about. Uh, Com satellites, maybe. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But certainly imaging satellites, there's there's a number of them that have covered the area. Some US satellites have captured that particular area. French satellites have. Chinese satellites as well. Just because there is an imaging satellite going over, it does not mean, as you said, that it also takes, um, you know, telemetry signals would pass off communication information. And you've also got to remember the countries that own those satellites, would they allow another another carrier's signal to go through... Well, a lot communication satellite. A lot of these are private, though, and the privately owned ones, they, I mean, they do anything for money. Some are privately owned. A lot of them are... Some are government, but a lot of them are private, too. There's a lot, a lot of private satellites up there. Mm-hmm. But then, once again, you've got a certain amount of satellites and how many flights are going through. Mm. Well, look, You're then I, starting I think, to get into volume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's, it as scalable. we currently sit, I don't think the infrastructure would really be able to handle it. And then... All of the things which affects uh, satellite coverage, satellite reception, satellite signal, satellite broadcast, space weather, all of these things will have an impact on it. And if none of that infrastructure is thought first before this sort of thing is implemented, you end up with, you know, just saturation of the the area Mm. and nothing's going to work. Also, the fact that not everywhere on the planet is covered. Well, it would be an interesting question to put to... Flight Aerospace Solutions and, and see I think what... they would probably come back with it would work perfectly fine on major areas like national flights across America, you know, mainland flights, that sort of thing. Well, anyway, I, I think if, if somehow one day, however we do it, we can get to that, and even if you have onboard recording as a, as a sort of secondary thing as well, I think that would be really good because it's kind of a space I think we need to be in. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I just don't think as we sit right now, we have the infrastructure to handle it if everybody rolled it out. Also, I, you know, once again, go back to the cost figure and... 
even though they say, oh, you could use the telemetry to help mitigate fuel costs, etc., to help cover the cost of installing this sort of gear, the airlines already have the ability to take the telemetry information from their planes when they've landed to work out whether or not yeah, they were fuel efficient or not. Yeah, but that's the thing. I think their not. claim, yeah, I know, but Flight Aerospace Solutions, their claim is that you can do this real time and adjust real time, and, and that's more valuable, you know, than, than, than after the fact. And the... Once again, is it taking that away from the flight crew who would also be able to do that real time? Because they also have access to the same telemetry. Well, that's also true. Um, yeah. It's kind of a... It really seems to me like a, a side tacked on bit of, oh, we could also use the telemetry to do this sort of thing, which the airlines, if they wanted to do that sort of thing, could already implement using their current systems, something which brought around the same sort of fuel-saving data. Quite possibly. As I say, it's a story that popped up this afternoon, well, for me, that popped up this afternoon. I, I think oh, yeah. perhaps we can put some questions to to Flight Aerospace Solutions and see if we get some answers out of them. In the meantime, let's talk about Microsoft because about 30% of Windows users are running Windows XP. Mm-hmm. It's a huge amount, relatively speaking, because it Especially was such a great for, no, operating indeed. system. Such a great, great operating system. And, well, yeah, 30% still running it and it's about to end its life. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's right. End well, of support. not end its life. Come to the end of its supported Life. That's right. And so Microsoft, of course, have been trying to get people off Windows XP for quite a while. And now they've come up with an incentive. If you have Windows XP and if you want to upgrade to Windows 8 or to a new Windows 8 computer, they'll give you a $100 rebate. Sounds great. Sounds good. Having said that, a lot of the Windows XP fleet is in corporates. It's in ATMs. And also, the stats seem to show that there are also uh, uh, quite a large concentration in China. Not that that matters, but yeah. certainly the, the ones in ATMs and, uh, and, and corporates may not qualify for that same, same uh, discount. But if they do, think of the amount of money that those different corporates and things could could shell back from this $100 yeah, but they rebate. Tend, oh, I know, but they tend to have like site license deals and whatnot. Very true. Which, uh, which won't apply. But anyway, just something that I thought um, might be interesting, that you know, if you are running XP... And you want to save, and like, if you're going to, here's the thing, if, you're all, if you've already decided, right, I'm going to upgrade to Windows 8, a new Windows 8 computer, yep. and you're running Windows XP, you might as well take advantage of this offer. Oh, indeed. It's a free $100. So, yeah, exactly. It makes your it's computer a, $100 cheaper. Absolutely. Yeah, just another, just a little uh, small story there. Now, Flappy, now let's talk, talk about small stories. Flappy Bird. Flappy Bird is apparently going to make a comeback. Creator Dong Nguyen decided a while ago that he was going to take it down. He was concerned about the the addictability. Is that a word? Addictability? Addictiveness. Addictiveness. I prefer addictability. But that's incorrect English. <laughs> that's me with my mouthful. That's incorrect English, Edwin. Ah, uh, yes, I know. All right. Um, yeah. <laughs> he was concerned about the addictiveness of it. and so. But he said, he announced, yes, he will bring it back just not anytime soon, but it will come back. In the meantime, though, Brett, we've seen a whole host of copycats, haven't we? Indeed. My favourite is Flappy Bert. I haven't seen that one. From Bert Nooney? Yeah. Have they, did they secure a copy, um, you know? Probably not. Licensing for that? Probably not, right? Probably not. It's hilarious. It the does, thing is, every, I, time it, every time you go through the pipes, it does Bert's laugh. <laughs> and every time he crashes and fails, he says Ernie's name. Ernie... It's hilarious. Oh, man. And I, look, I, I've tried it, is a, it is a little figurine of Bert being carried by the Flappy Bird. 
<laughs> oh, is it? Yep. <laughs> Look, you know, I've tried a few of them. The one thing, though, that I find is that the, the physics of the ones I've tried, I, I can't remember um, some of their names. I think Flap Flap, I think, is the latest one I've tried. The physics of it just isn't the same as Flappy Bird, and I think Dong Nguyen had it, has got it just right. And the others just don't have that same feel. It's not the same, you know, up to responsiveness. down ratio. Yeah, responsiveness. The, the, you know, the acceleration up versus the, the acceleration down. It's just not... It didn't feel... None of them feel right, other than Flappy Bird. Huh. I, that's just me. Maybe it's because I started <laughs> on Flappy Bird. Maybe. And, and of Maybe. course, you know, that's now what I'm used to. But Yep. Oh, well, anyway, good to see for those who really miss Flappy Bird, it will eventually be making a comeback. Indeed. In and for any of you who bought any of those eBay auctions of phones that had original Flappy Bird built on, um, sucks to be you. <laughs> what an awful lot of wasted investment money that was. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you can say that again. <laughs> All right, uh, what have we got now? Last international story is, uh, and I thought this was quite interesting, the Podfather. Are we talking about Invasion of the Body Snatchers here, Ed? (laughs) No, 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 no. Uh, He was named, nicknamed the Podfather, if you like, the grandfather of, or the godfather of the iPod. We're talking about Tony Fidel. He worked for Microsoft, sorry, not for Microsoft, God no, he worked for Apple. (laughs) (laughs) That was a bit of a faux pas. He worked for Apple for for a while. He he was... um, you know, quite instrumental in bringing the, the first the iPod and then later the, the iPhone to market. Since then, he's gone to work for Google, who have, of course, taken over Nest. Indeed. Well, he went to work for Google because he worked for Nest, wasn't it? Oh, was that what it was? Yeah, well, okay, he's with Google now anyway. Yeah. And he's, uh, he's, he's sort of come out and said that, in his view, technology for the next five to ten years is pretty much held by Google and not anyone else, including Apple. So it'll be Google who is leading the, the leading the charge with innovations and tech discoveries. That's what he's saying, and I thought that um, would be an interesting point to debate. I, I think you know, uh, you know, Google have a really, really, really good R and D. Uh, you could argue, say arguably better than Apple's, uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, program. But what they haven't done so well so far is consumer devices and I think consumer devices are really big brands are big things these days yeah the question for me I think if I was sort of looking at this is can can Google play in the consumer electronics you know the you know home we're talking well, about the home market a lot of their hope is pinned on on glass but as we've seen with the the development and the the goings-on with the testing of glass glass has brought up a lot of questions for a lot of people about different well different ways that it kind of nudges into privacy and ethics concerns which people just kind of are areas that people avoid and so you yeah they've kind of got a, a an interesting product that maybe the world is just not Society's just not ready to accept in general sort of usage well, you know, in a lot of circumstances. Well, even with these issues aside, the privacy issues, driving, all that sort of thing, yep. with, even with those aside, I'm not convinced. I mean, I might be wrong, but I'm not convinced it's a, it's a, a product for the masses. A mass market? Yeah, yeah, a mass market, yeah, yeah. I don't think so and either. I, and I, the way I see it, Google have some really, really cool tech. You could even say it's more advanced technology, if you like, more, co- more complex, smarter, requires more R&D than what Apple's got. But yep. I don't think anything that 
um, Google's got, I mean, unless you include Android, but I'm talking about consumer devices here. Exactly. I don't think any of what Google's got are for the mass market. Yep. They're all... I agree. And I think that's important in terms of, um, going back to this comment, of holding the technology for the, you know, leading technology... Uh, for the for future. The next, for the future. Now, we, maybe they'll come out with something else. Maybe I'll be proved wrong. I don't know. I'm not yep. saying necessarily either that Are Apple they doing a watch too? will stay there. Sorry, I can't they, remember. Are they doing a watch? Yeah, they are. Oh, are they? There's been talk of, you know so what? So many people are doing I, watches. I know. I know I've got, <laughs> you know what? I've seen these the headlines come through. And, you know, it's got to the satu- point of saturation where I see an- yet another smartwatch and I've kind of ignored them. So I've got Indeed. this mental filter on. I-, I can't tell you whether they're doing a, a watch <laughs> or not. And it's whether or not the rest out. of the world also has the same sort of mental filter about smartwatches. Yeah, I- I'm just over, like I say, yeah, let them come, you know. Let, let them make, let whoever makes these smartwatches make them. And I don't really care anymore. There's <laughs> <laughs> just too many of them, you know. Every, every man and his dog is making a smartwatch or announcing that they're going to. So yeah. anyway, the question is, I'm not sure that I necessarily agree with him. Having said that, I don't think it's a given that Apple will, will sort of be uh, necessarily retain the position they're in. Indeed, indeed. Who knows? I, but certainly, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I can't see Google sort of leading that. Unless they create some niche which really has does not exist, like, well, like... Apple did. Yeah, like Apple did. Yeah, you're right. And they, and they we, hey, you never know. We may well be surprised. I'm not sure even that, you know, Nest's flagship product, uh, you know, the home thermometer smart uh, thing, is it? I don't see that as a mass market thing no, either. No, Because once again, it's a price and integration factor for a lot of people. And the vast majority of the planet are not Silicon Valley rich. No, that's right. Yeah. And I, I don't, yeah, you're right. Again, it's... Just like you know, you know Google's uh, native products, if you like. I again, I don't see that as mass market. But you know, your thoughts may differ. So, if you're listening to this and you've and you're thinking, no, no, we've got it all wrong, let us know in the comment section on our website, boysoftech.com. Indeed, we appreciate the feedback when you let us know that we're wrong. Absolutely, we may not always agree with you. <laughs> Just as you will not always agree with us. Exactly. <laughs> All right, Brett, that is it for the international stories. We'll take a short break. When we come back, one New Zealand story to cover. Don't go away. We're live from Southern Cross. Welcome back. We are live from the Southern Cross Bar here in Wellington. Brett, you're enjoying a lovely mushroom risotto meal. Indeed I am. And uh, that looks absolutely delicious. I've, I've got to try that one. I've, I've just had a spiced tomato juice, and it's absolutely delicious. One of the best in town, by my uh, reckoning. Anyway, this is a New Zealand section. There's one story I wanted to cover just very quickly, uh, just a short mention. And that is, uh, by the way, before we cover this, Brett, well, let's make this very clear. This podcast is apolitical. Indeed. We're entirely apolitical. Exactly. At least on this cast. So, <laughs> so um, we're not going to make this a political thing, but uh, it involves a political party and, of course, Kim.com. So Kim.com has recently founded the Internet Party. They brought out an app. So if you want to become a member of the Internet Party, you can download the iOS or Android app and sign up online. It yeah. is, now, what's significant about this is that it's the first political party in New Zealand to have an online sign-up process. Awesome. Yeah, and approved. Also, it meets all the regulations for the Electoral Act. Yeah. Uh, I think they had to do things like um, 
to submit the final list on paper. So they have to print out everything yep. and then submit it that way. But uh, they worked with the, I think it was the electoral office, the enrollment office, was it, I think, yep. to, uh, to make sure that whatever they did met the requirements. And they've done it. Excellent. Mm. That's so, a cool app. Yeah, so if it's... Uh, I cool guess, idea, as you'd expect from somebody who's all about the internet. <laughs> That's right, exactly. <laughs> anyway, there you go. I thought I'd throw that one in. So if you are interested in signing up to the uh, internet party, and I'm certainly not endorsing or... Not endorsing? Or, or not endorsing the party, but if you are inclined uh, that way to you sign up... You can do it with an app. You can Exactly, you can do it with the app. And obviously the app will provide two-way information... You know what? Look, I don't. You know, because otherwise I, you'd just have a website and put them to that. You yeah, would need an entire yeah, app why to download. Would you do that? So yeah, look, I, I guess maybe it also provides news feeds and updates about the party and yeah, the policies I, and process. I, I haven't had the chance to look into it. Like the uh, the other story we talked about. This one has the the first story we talked about. This one sort of uh, came across my screen. In fact, not long before we we sort of got here. So you know, I don't know the ins and outs, but. You know, um, I would anticipate that it provides some sort well, of up-to-date information you, about so. the goings-on of the party. You'd think to, so. you know, that be makes worth sense. a download. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I'm sure it's free. Well, I, yeah. I haven't even looked at it in the App Store. I haven't had time. I've, we've, you know, I've come from what I was doing to here, and um, uh, and I only had a quick glance at that. But I thought I'd, it, it was definitely worth a mention, and, and we'll slip that in, into this Indeed, episode. it's cool. All right. Well, anyway, Brett, that concludes episode 267 of The Boys of Tech. It's another one live here at the Southern Cross Bar. It's, Indeed. It's great doing these live ones. On a Tuesday. On a Tuesday, that's right. And um, they've been very, very accommodating here at the Southern Cross Bar, so thanks to all the, the bar staff and management. All right, Brett, that concludes the show. Thank you very much for co-hosting. Always a pleasure, Ed. All right, and thanks, uh, everyone out there, for listening. Uh, we'll do it again next time. Until then, take care. See you then. Goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs>